0: Welcome, everyone, to the Colette Call, Call. This podcast is an offering of the Acts 8 moment, proclaiming resurrection in the Episcopal Church. My name is Holly Powell, and I'm a layperson and a member of Christ Church Cathedral in Lexington, Kentucky.
1: And I'm Brendan O'Sullivan-Hale, and I'm also a layperson, and I'm a member of the Episcopal Church of All Saints in Indianapolis, Indiana.
0: And we have a special guest with us today Woo-hoo! who is recording with us live from scenic Powell Manor in Lexington,
1: Kentucky.
2: <laughs> Allison, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Sure. My name is Allison Duval, and I am a layperson as well. I'm a member of Christ Church Cathedral in the Diocese of Lexington and a friend of Holly's. Woo-hoo! And I also serve as the manager for church relations and engagement for the refugee resettlement service of the Domestic and Foreign Missionary Society, which many of you may know as Episcopal Michael. Ministries.
1: Well, thanks for being with us. We're excited to have you today.
2: Thanks for inviting me.
1: Well, this podcast is about the intersection of liturgy and life, as seen through the lens of the collects of the Book of Common Prayer. Now collect is kind of a funny sounding word, but it's actually just another word for prayer. And it's spelled like collect, as in, you might collect IKEA home furnishings with funny (laughs) names such as the Svarta bunk bed. The Sotvedel Comforter, the Newted microwave, the Ulgump rug and <laughs> and Finerlig decorative fabric, which would be ideal to decorate the apartment for a refugee who's been resettled to the United States.
0: I mean, they would all be really appreciated, I'm yeah, sure for sure. <laughs> well done, Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> We are sitting on an IKEA table right now. We or, are actually we're not sitting on the table; we're sitting at the table. Right, um, but it's awesome that Allison walked right in and went, "You got a new table from IKEA."
2: <laughs> the first thing I noticed.
1: How many umlauts are in your name. table's okay. name?
2: Um, let's say three. Okay.
1: <laughs> This week, uh, we're taking a break from the collects to talk about uh, World Refugee Day, which is uh, why we have Allison here.
0: Also, she's just fine. Yeah, there's that too. (laughs) World Refugee Day is coming up on June 20th. Would you tell us a little bit about what it is and how the Episcopal
2: Church is involved? Absolutely. So World Refugee Day was established by the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees in 2001 with a few purposes. One was to raise awareness of the refugee crises around the globe. But also to celebrate the resilience, strength, and contributions of refugees to the communities where they live, where they've been resettled. And so, across the Episcopal Church, the Domestic and Foreign Missionary Society's Refugee Resettlement Service, Episcopal Migration Ministries, is working with our local affiliate offices, of which there are 30, to Get them excited and involved in celebrating World Refugee Day, and we're also providing resources to Episcopal congregations so that congregations can pray and observe World Refugee Day on Sunday, June 21st.
1: What we're going to do today is talk a bit about some of those liturgical resources. So, strictly speaking, we're not talking about collects today, but we thought this would be a really interesting opportunity to talk about the process of creating liturgy, uh, as well as dive a little bit deeper into. What it is we're praying for here
0: in our show notes you'll find a link to the resources that the um, episcopal migration ministries team has put together and you'll find these prayers for the people that we're going to be talking about as well as three different sermon notes, and what's the difference between the three?
2: So we're in year B, and within the year B series of readings for the Sunday closest to June 22nd, there are two tracks of readings. And so we've got sermon notes on both tracks, and they were crafted by some folks that I know listen to the podcast, um, the Reverend Canon Frank Logue, the Reverend Scott Gunn, both crafted sermon notes, and then also Spencer Cantrell, who was a former member of the Young Adult Service Corps.
1: Well, and I know both of them went to Kenya earlier this year uh, as part of the Share the Journey project. Anyway, uh, they were great to follow on Instagram. They both posted uh, really fascinating and wonderful images.
2: The prayers of the people that we're going to be discussing today were also crafted by one of the pilgrims who went on the Share the Journey pilgrimage to Kenya and Rwanda. and Her name is Elisa Stebbing. She is the Outreach Director at Trinity Episcopal Church in the Woodlands in the Diocese of Texas.
0: And am I reading correctly, Allison, that she is a lay person? She
2: is a lay person.
1: Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> lay people oh. writing liturgy.
2: That's right. What will the world see next? <laughs> <laughs> it's 55 degrees in June, lay people are writing liturgy. I don't know what he'll tell you. Uh, and writing sermon notes, Spencer Cantrell is a layperson ah. as well.
1: We'll, we'll dive into the, into the prayers in just a second. But I am a bit of a rubric nerd, and I want to draw everybody's attention before we read the prayers to what the rubrics say about the prayers of the people. You're allowed to use prayer forms other than the ones designated in the Book of Common Prayer, starting on page 383. But if you do that, there are still six specific things that you are supposed to pray for. And uh, this set of prayers does hit on all six. So uh, as, as we read through them, you should listen for them. But these are the things. You're supposed to pray for the universal church, its members and its mission, the nation and all in authority, the welfare of the world, the concerns of the local community, those who suffer and those in any trouble, and the departed. Uh, so, those six things are supposed to get shout outs anytime you do the prayers of the people. So, just listen, listen carefully uh, for how all those concerns are woven in.
0: Yeah, you should know, you should have known that um, our friend Scott Gunn would not participate in any project that was not rubrically appropriate. Yes, right? <laughs> Correct. Did, did I also just make the word rubric into an adverb? You did. Rubrically. <laughs> rubrically. <Rub-ly. laughs> <Rubric-ly. laughs> I'm going to use that in Scrabble. <laughs> Brendan is so rubrically talented. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh no! But I um, check out what I order on Amazon. What?
0: Hold on. <gasps> no. Oh! no! <laughs> That's awesome. Wow, that is something.
1: For those listening to the podcast, I just held up the classic volume. Prayer Book Rubrics Expanded by Byron D. Stuhlman.
2: The classic. I mean, <laughs> come on. Award winning.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> so let's go through the, the prayers, and, and it's a little bit longer than our normal collect, but maybe we can alternate how we read, go through and read them in alternation. I think
1: that makes mm-hmm. sense.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: so, Allison, do you want to start? Today, as we pray for the Church and for the world, we remember our own sacred stories and how they call us to live in God's world, to bring forth God's dream of shalom. With all our heart and with all our mind, let us pray to our God, saying, Lord, hear us.
1: Sovereign God, may we who are the body of Christ, the Church, embrace and welcome the immigrant, the refugee, and all who seek shelter from any danger. We lift our prayer to you.
0: Lord, Lord, hear, hear us. us. So, Allison, I've probably probably what is a very dumb question, but those of you who listen to this podcast know that that's what I'm known for. What's the difference between an immigrant and a refugee?
2: Sure. So refugees are a category of immigrant. Um, immigrants or migrants are anyone who has moved to a foreign country to stay for a certain length of time. And they may have moved for any number of reasons. Refugees, on the other hand, are those who are forced to move. They're forced to move on account of persecution, violence, or threat of violence or death for their religion, their race, ethnicity, their nationality, um, perhaps their political stance or their membership in a certain particular social group. So they are driven from their homes by those factors. Gotcha. Thanks. Mm -hmm.
1: And so, this first petition is that prayer for the church to pay attention to people who are in this kind of desperate need, those who are seeking shelter from any danger. And it calls us to do that as the church, and particularly recalling that the church is the body of Christ, um, containing both references to the Eucharist and to the letter to the Hebrews that identifies uh, the church as Christ's body on earth.
0: And what, I, what I like about this, this section is that it calls out specifically immigrants and refugees, but really all who seek shelter from any danger encompasses a wide variety of homeless people here in our own community, people who are looking for economic shelter, for physical shelter, for emotional shelter. There are a lot of different ways to provide shelter and a lot of different dangers to need shelter from. Mm -hmm. Right. The second petition is God of protection, whose son fled violence from his own home with Joseph and Mary and sought refuge in a foreign land. Hear the cries of all who suffer because of hatred, war, violence, greed, and famine. Help us to peacefully mend our divisions that all you have created in this world may be whole. We lift our prayer to you.
1: Lord, hear us.
0: Lord, hear us.
1: If you are keeping score on the rubrics, this is the prayer for the welfare of the world. So category number three of the rubrics uh, that we are supposed to hit. And then uh, we have a biblical reference here to the episode in Matthew where Joseph, Mary, and Jesus uh, have to flee to Egypt. So again, identifying that plight of the refugee uh, with experiences that Jesus went through.
0: Allison, what are the most common places where
2: people are seeking refuge currently? Like, where are people coming from? Sure. So the way that it's referred to in resettlement is caseloads. So mm-hmm. refugee cases, the major caseloads currently are from the Democratic Republic of Congo. There are still refugees coming from Bhutan and coming from Burma. There are refugees from Somalia. Of course, um the refugee crisis in Syria has been causing an enormous flight of people. There's over 3 million who have fled Syria now. And the United States government just this fiscal year started admitting Syrians in larger numbers, where before only a few hundred or even a a few dozen had been admitted to the United States. And so those are the major pipelines that the United States Resettlement Program is seeing right now.
1: The Episcopal Church Agency here, the uh, Exodus Refugee Services in Indianapolis. Uh, we have a mm-hmm. uh, large Burmese community that's uh, growing on the south side.
2: That's right. Yes, Exodus Refugee Immigration is our our affiliate in the Diocese of Indianapolis, yeah. and a, a very an incredible organization. So, if you are a listener in the Diocese of Indianapolis, we encourage you to check out Exodus Refugee Immigration.
1: Yep, we've got um, a number of people in our parish who are uh, involved in them. That's why I came up with the uh, apartment furnishing collection um, because. Uh, we've done that before.
2: <laughs> that's wonderful. And that's one of the the greatest ways that a local congregation or even a family or individual can be involved in welcoming a refugee family to this country. Um, all of their needs must be provided for when, once they arrive until they become employed. And so helping to do an apartment setup, um, assisting with, you know, practicing english conversation assisting in an esl class at a refugee um, resettlement affiliate perhaps working with the children on um, mentoring them and helping them with their homework there's so many different ways to be involved but i'm so glad to hear that your congregation brendan has has helped set up an apartment My our congregation did that here in lexington just a few months ago and it was quite fun
1: but we didn't furnish it from ikea because we don't have an ikea in indianapolis
2: (laughs) (laughs) and neither do we here in lexington alas (laughs) alas the third petition. God who makes us one, we pray for our nation and all nations of the world that those who govern the people and have authority over them may consider each life to be of value and may serve the people of their nation with equity and fairness, dedicating themselves to peaceful resolution of conflict. We lift our prayer to you.
1: Lord, hear us.
2: Lord, hear, hear us. us.
1: So, just going back to the rubrics for a second, uh, this is us praying for the nation and all in authority. I like the biblical reference to um, you know God who makes us one. that's uh, addressing uh, some of Paul's concerns about how all are one in Christ Jesus.
2: One thing that I thought was so powerful about this part of the prayer was the yearning for those who are in authority to be considering each life to be of value and serving, with equity and fairness, because it's the lack of those things, the lack of those values that have caused so many of the refugee crises. Um, so it's really kind of pinpointing the importance of us deeply considering the leaders of the countries. Um, all over the globe, and the the countries that are deeply conflicted over any number of issues.
1: I, I, I see here we're praying both for the leaders of nations who are destinations for refugees.
0: We're also praying not only for those who are governors of the people, but also those who have authority over people, because not all oppressors are elected leaders. Uh, right, right. And I like I like that too.
1: The next petition is, Gracious God, we pray for our newest neighbors, that those families who have sought refuge from the ravages of war and violence may find not only shelter and sustenance, but also a a loving and supportive community in which to create a new beginning with dignity. We lift our prayer to you.
2: Lord, Lord, hear us. This was one of the parts of the prayer that was most stirring for me. And I think it's for this reason. In the resettlement community, part of the work that we do is to help help communities learn to welcome refugees who are resettling there. We are intentional about using the language of neighbor. And I think that's an important distinction. Um, refugee is a legal category. It's not someone's identity. It's not who they are. It's something that happened to them. And so it's important that we don't continue to call people by this tragic thing that occurred in their past, but that we welcome them in in full relationship. And I think neighbor is an important word because I was just considering earlier my, my own neighbors. Neighbors indicates a mutuality. Neighbors indicates a real relationship there. It's not a word that can be made abstract. It's not a word that can be apply to someone with whom you are not in relationship. So I loved that Elisa used that word here and I know that it, it deeply informs my own work and makes me consider who are my neighbors and how do I um, how do I live into that relationship more fully.
1: Yeah, I also find some power in this prayer in its uh, implicit reference to the resurrection. We're um, asking that this kind of neighborliness, this loving and supportive community, is in service of creating a new beginning. And I have to imagine that when when it's done well, the resettlement process has to feel like a whole new life for people who have been through some truly terrible circumstances.
0: And it's really funny that All three of us found this passage particularly moving for different reasons, because to me, uh, when I read through this the first time, that last phrase, a new beginning with dignity, just brought me right back to our baptismal vows and how um, we vow to respect the dignity of every human being and how clearly that delineation is shown in this particular phrase that doing this work isn't like an add-on, to our faith. It is our faith. It is what we professed and, and you know, continue to profess every time there's a baptism in the church.
1: I think I forgot to mention which rubric um, this refers to. This one is responding to the rubric uh, that we pray for the concerns of the local community. And actually, the, uh, the next petition will actually be an extension of praying for the concerns of the local community. Oh, no, it won't. It'll be pre- for those who suffer or are in any trouble. I got confused.
2: Whatever, Brendan. Yeah. Who's up next? <laughs>
1: it's you, Holly.
0: Love it, God. There is no one that goes unnoticed in your eyes. Take into yourself all who suffer. May Christ, the wounded healer, relieve the pain of hunger of the refugee, heal the afflicted body, soothe the fears of the mind, bring peace to the soul, and be tender with the broken-hearted. That those who have endured unspeakable trials may find themselves restored in Christ. We lift our prayer to you.
1: Lord, hear us. Lord, hear us. The language here that is speaking to me is the reference to Christ the Wounded Healer.
2: Mm-hmm. Me too.
1: And it's, it's particularly moving to me now because... I mentioned on the show uh, a few weeks ago a uh, parishioner at my church, uh, Scott Howard, um, had died recently, and Scott as as those of you who listened to that episode will know, um, had been one of those people who had been uh, living with HIV for many, many, many years. And so um, as a result of that, you know, every illness known to man that could attack a compromised immune system did. Uh, And so he was in tenuous health uh, for a very long time. And one of the things that he did that I had kind of forgotten about until somebody mentioned it at the funeral was that at our church every Sunday, we have people in one of the side chapels who are there to pray with people for healing. And I do that, and I I really um, enjoy it. It's wonderful. But Scott also did that, even as he was in such difficult health himself he was praying with others for their health. And it just reminds me of what you were just saying, Alison, that refugee is a legal category, it is not a person. That possibility of simultaneously being wounded and a healer or somebody who is fleeing uh, but also has something to offer. Anyway, that's just where I'm going with this.
2: No, that's incredibly powerful, Brendan. I had the opportunity to meet a client at one of our local affiliates recently. Um, and I, I won't mention her name because um, would like to protect her privacy. And but we were sitting together, and someone had asked her. You know, it was something about how would you like people to to refer to you? You know, talking about the title of refugee. And this is a, a beautiful, strong young woman who's fluent in six languages. Brilliant um, young woman who fled her country and she's she sat and looked with these piercing eyes right at us and she said my name is not refugee mm. and I'll I'll make up a name here but she said my name is not refugee my name is Mary call me by my name and from so from that place of her own you know her own past experiences that there's this incredible strength and um, emotional fortitude and resilience that she is a blessing to the members of her family and her community. Um, so yes, Brendan, everything that you said about kind of holding intention, our own pain, but from our own pain, we can also be sources of healing and compassion for one another. Mm. And again, this is, this is another section of the, of these prayers
0: that I find particularly powerful because of the relevance to not only World Refugee Day, but everything, that every person probably can find themselves in this prayer for healing.
2: And, and I think it, it will speak to a lot of people in that way. Yeah. The next petition. Eternal God, may you receive those who have died during times of war and violence into your loving and peaceful arms, and may they find rest for their souls. Comfort those who mourn the loss of their friends and loved ones, and give them relief from the painful memories they bear, giving assurance of eternal life. We lift our prayer to you.
1: Lord, hear us.
2: Lord, hear us.
1: I find the gentleness of this prayer, which doesn't flinch from the violence or horror of... Of the deaths of those who have um, who have perished while while fleeing well i don't know I, I don't even know what to say about this i kind of feel like this this one speaks for itself
2: yeah i think that the beauty and, and the gentleness of it like you mentioned brenda it it calls to mind one of the options for the prayers at the end of the service of Compline, mm. which is so tender um
1: Do you mean the one, keep watch, dear Lord, with those who work or watch or weep this night, and And give your angels angels charge over over those who sleep?
2: sleep. Give rest to the weary Lord Christ. Yeah, I think it's that one. Yeah,
1: give rest to the weary, bless the dying, soothe the suffering.
2: Soothe the suffering, pity the afflicted, shield the joyous. Yep. That's my favorite one.
1: It's a very good one. Although the next one also is really good too. The one that reminds us that our common life depends upon each other's toil. But that's changing the subject.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But the service of Compline, I give away my bias. I love the service of Compline.
0: It's okay. Your biases are welcome here. Thank you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The concluding, this would normally be called the concluding collect, but this isn't technically a collect, but this goes where the concluding collect would go if it were a collect. Almighty and loving God, you who have crossed the boundaries of heaven and earth to be with your people, visit those who must flee their homes because of violence and oppression and lead them to a land of safety. We give thanks to you, source of all being, that you hear our intercessions on behalf of our refugee brothers and sisters. We thank you that love swallows fear, that in your compassion we learn to walk with those who suffer, that when we give ourselves we receive far more, and that when we receive those who stand knocking at our doors, we receive christ the beloved one may all praise glory and honor be to our god the most high amen
2: amen amen the thing that hit me so strongly and i don't know why i hadn't thought of it in this way but the first line you who have crossed the boundaries of heaven and earth as i often think of hmm, this might make me a heretic it's but. okay. We're we're familiar <laughs> with heresy, <laughs> so you know I often, I often think of the story uh, from from the Gospel of Matthew of the flight to Egypt to escape King Herod as kind of the, the seminal moment in the story of the Holy Family when they are refugees, and that's kind of my go-to scriptural reference from the Christian tradition for this work, right? But when it comes down to the incarnation, you know, it's you who have crossed the boundaries of heaven and earth to be with us, the mere fact of the incarnation is a story of migration. And I'd never thought of it that way before until I read this prayer. It was very, very powerful.
1: We've talked about this concept, although not in those terms on this podcast before, when we've come up with conversations about the transfiguration or Uh, Jacob's Ladder, or the descent of the New Jerusalem, uh, or in this instance, the Incarnation. So much of the time in Scripture where we have heaven and earth joining together, uh, the direction is from heaven to earth, Um, and it seems to be um, one of God's patterns. I had never thought of it in terms of migration. And yet, just to go with the, to take that analogy um, to perhaps its extreme, take a look in Revelation at the descent of the New Jerusalem, kind of the end game is that uh, that God joins the creation and the Lamb is the light of the city here on earth.
0: Well, and even, you know, in in a very awful way, the the story of Jesus' death is someone fleeing his earthly home because of extreme violence and oppression Mm. and being led into a land of safety.
1: So I'm just going to say, Alison, I was a little scared when you asked this if, if, you, if we'd be interested in talking about this, because it's very tricky when you're writing this kind of liturgy uh, that you, you let the particular concerns take over to an extent um, that we lose sight of the divine role in all of it. Right. And, and these prayers are just incredibly well done. Um, in terms of maintaining a clarity of intention while also maintaining a really firm theological and biblical grounding. Um, it's just incredible. Anyway, so we commend these prayers to you.
0: Yes, we do. Um, and, and many thanks to Elisa who wrote them. And so Allison, if, if our listeners are as moved by this as, as Brendan and I are, what can they do? in their service on Sunday, June 21st, to
2: commemorate this. Sure. Well, we'd, we'd love for congregations across the church to, to use these prayers, um, and we hope that you find them as moving um, and as as holy as we did. You can find them at www.episcopalchurch.org slash EMM, as in Episcopal Migration Ministries. On that page, just scroll down and click on World Refugee Day. And you will be able to find the prayers of the people as well as the sermon notes. And we'll be tweeting and Facebooking about these. So you can follow us on Twitter at EMM Refugees, where we use the hashtags share the journey and the hashtag for World Refugee Day, which is hashtag WRD2015.
1: And we'd love it if you would share with us how you respond to these prayers, whether you end up using them in your church's service or not. You can reach out to us uh, on Twitter at The Collect Call or send us an email at the Collect Call at acts8moment.org.
0: You can also find our parent organization, The Acts 8 Moment, on the web at acts8moment.org. That's the number eight. Or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash acts8moment, or on Twitter at Axe8Moment.
1: And we'd like to remind you that the Collect Call is a member of the Via Media Collective, a network of podcasts with an Anglican sensibility. Check out our sister shows, Easter People and Padres Pods. Find out more at viamediacollective.org or on Twitter at VM Collective.
2: And you can find me on Twitter at Allison underscore Duval. And that's two L's in Allison and two L's in Duval.
1: So four L's total.
2: Yep, four what, L's. Lots of L's, man.
0: <laughs> we, I also have four L's in my name. Oh my gosh, Holly, that's why we're friends. <laughs> I've mean, never thought of that before. That makes so much sense. <laughs> Brendan, you have three. You're close. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You did that really fast, Allison. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I added those numbers, those
2: L's
1: up. Our music is Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence by Aaron DeVries, distributed under a Creative Commons license. Find more of Aaron's music at badgerland.bandcamp.com.
0: And Allison, thank you so much for coming and recording with us. And hopefully we can convince you to stick around and uh, record with us for next week's episode as well. I would love to. Thank you both so much. It was great to be with you. And join us next week where we, along with Allison, will be talking about the proper six.
1: Yeah. We're back on a collect of the week for a limited engagement.
0: Yeah, just, just for a one night only kind of dealio.
1: Yeah, it's another installment from the Reverend Dr. Massey Shepard Jr. Fasten your seatbelts.
0: Check plus.
2: Let our mortal flesh keep silence, and with fear and trembling stand. Ponder nothing earthly minded. With blessing in his hand, Christ our God to earth descended,
0: our
1: full homage to.